We're going to continue on the series, The Normal Radical. And this week we're going to talk probably about the most important, the most significant aspect that determines how we are, the way we are, and what we do. And that is simply our commitment, as we've been looking at today, to submit to God's rule, the rule of Jesus in our lives. So, over and above what we're used to, over and above tradition, over and above what people might think ought to happen, we try, individually and together, to determine our course and to respond according to what we believe Jesus wants us to do. Now, that's in our own personal individual lives, And it's also in our corporate life. So, therefore, we don't do things because, well, it's the kind of democratic vote of the people or because it's a particular preference or because, yes, it's what you do, isn't it? I trust that always and increasingly our determinant factor will be, Lord, what do you want? Lord, what is pleasing to you? Not what I feel, not what I think, but Lord, what do you want? And we believe, the Bible indicates, and we've read it again together this morning, that it is the way to live. It's God's requirement upon us. And that, feels like climbing a mountain. Because frankly, it's utterly impossible. So we're facing something which we know what God wants. We kind of want to do it, but we simply can't. And so what does he do? He says, you choose to do what I want and I will empower you I will give you what he calls grace, strength to help in time of need, to actually live in a a supernatural way, a, a way which is above and beyond the natural. So we're going to look at that again today, the issue of choosing to submit to his rule and his way as a lifestyle, not as a Sunday meeting style, although it includes that, but as a lifestyle. And Jamie's going to come and help us with that. Okay, welcome to session two of The Normal Radical. Um, I don't know if you got to see the uh, bulletin, but there is a secret question that we're going to learn today, which is what you need to be able to participate in what this series is about, which is deconstructing and reconstructing our expressions to make sure that they're relevant um, going forward. So... um, Let's have a quick, uh, oh, sorry, the title for today is Whose Crown Is It Anyway? Um, And that will all become clear quite what we're talking about. So last time, we talked about the idea that the adventure continues. Just as we'd started it before the summer, we're still believing we're in adventure, and that we've been called to live our normal lives radically, our values 
are as radical today as they were when we first discovered them. So this series is about revising, rediscovering, recommitting, and reapplying the values, then reviewing and reconstructing the expressions. What? And we have permission to de- and reconstruct the expressions. So that's what we kind of looked at last time. How many people uh, paid more attention to the newsletter this week? <laughs> so last time, we, we looked at this, this, newspaper, uh, this newsletter, and there were a few kind of articles in it that didn't quite fit with what we really believe. So we're going to go back over these, uh, over three of them, quickly, and I want to get what was it that bothered you about that article, and then... I think Jeremy will scribe for me up on this old uh, flip chart because I'm sure he's got artistic handwriting as well as everything else. Plus, I can't spell to save my life. Most youth meetings are the kids telling me, no, there's an E in it, not an I, and I just add another E on the end, and it's just embarrassing. I'm older. I should know better. Um, So I'm going to give you like one minute with the person next to you, or two minutes, to list the things that that bothered you. Why did it bother you? Um, rather than just telling me what it says in the article, okay? So here's your first one. Turn to the person next to you. Why did that article bother you? You've got one minute, and then we're going to capture some of those answers. Okay, right. Okay, right. Let me see some answers. I'm looking for young right up to not so young. Let's get some answers. What, what bothered you? Why did it bother you? Okay, PJ, Sam, over there. Just climb across people. It said, like, everyone's expected to give, but you give because you want to. Okay, so it was, you you give because you want to, so you need to want, there there wasn't the option for personal choice. Okay? Um, Someone else, okay, Josiah at the back. There was someone here. (laughs) Oh, go go, go for Heather first. (laughs) Sorry. Um, it seemed to put a limit on what we can give God. So if you got 20, 21,000, would we give 1,000 back? Okay, yep. Okay, so there's, a, there's um, restrictions. Uh, again, it's, it's similar to the lack of choice restrictions. Josiah? Uh, two things. Um, one, it seems a bit forceful. And two, has there even been a disaster in Tanzania? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay, so... So there's a little bit of an objection of, well, I, I didn't know about this, yeah, so, so I don't know how you're going to write that. This is why I picked you. Deceit. Deceit, could be deceit. <laughs> lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge, okay. Um, someone from this section. Okay, Josh. It says maybe you should con- consider cancelling your holiday and so, um, serve where the real need is, but then it's kind of like saying oh, our church doesn't matter, so... We don't matter anymore. Okay, so it makes you feel that you don't matter. Okay. Miriam. And then we need someone right over here to keep PJ going, because he never runs, he just lifts weights. We were saying that it made you feel like if you didn't give, that you were a horrible person. Okay, so it makes you feel guilty. All right, we're going to jump onto the next one now, and you're going to have a minute to, to say what bothered you. Okay, right, so, Charlotte, what's your objection? (laughs) 
Um, it's like putting the children in a box makes it sound like you don't actually want them here, that they have nothing useful to add. Okay, all right. So the feeling, the feeling that ch children are to be put in boxes. De de devaluing children. Okay, Jamie. Come on, PJ, faster. <laughs> it was a first-come, first-served basis. There wasn't any form of online booking. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's inefficient. It's inefficient. There's... <laughs> okay, Isaac. Why spend money on a soundproof box when it can be used better elsewhere? The soundproof box or the children? <laughs> oh, the money. Okay, yes. Yeah, so w waste of money. Sorry. I was thinking we could put the children to work somewhere. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it bothered me we hadn't thought of it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's total exclusion. Okay. Total. Total exclusion. Okay. Right, last one, Steve, and then we go on to the last. Um, as Jesus basically gave his disciples a real telling off for doing it, you probably don't want to do the same thing. It's probably not a good idea to do something that Jesus has told you not to do. <laughs> but they haven't discovered soundproof technology in Jesus' day. I think that's the difference. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay, right. Um, Annabelle had her hand up first here. Who's <laughs> Derek Stubbings I'd like to talk to? Him. Oh, you want to say... Um, is, that, is that hands with a hand? No, you... with that. Okay. <laughs> Sue. Sue behind you there. Sue? Yeah. I think serving comes from the heart, so just getting our kids to serve because we want them out of the way for the summer. Okay, so it, it, it misses the heart. Okay, Tater? It's very stereotypical because not all young people are lazy. Well... <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge... Well, it's stereotypical. It's stereotyping. <laughs> OK, that, that's good enough as it is. Um, anyone else? I, I thought... Oh, Josiah again. I think... Uh, oh, I believe holidays are actually for lazing around. <laughs> OK, so, so your objection is that you, you don't agree with... You, you want to be able to laze around. You want to be able to relax. So it's not, it's not fair on that. Okay, Ethan, last one. How do you know some adults aren't lazing around during the holidays? Oh. Okay. It's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. We're all focused on the young people. Okay, good, excellent. So some of our objections were there was no choice. Um, there are lots of restrictions. Um, Makes you feel that you don't matter. Lack of knowledge. Um, we are objecting because we may just feel guilty or degraded children. Um, it's inefficient, exclusive, a waste of money. Misses the heart, stereotypical. It's not fair. And we want to be able to have time to relax. Okay. Um, Rich, could you just fold that down? Because we're done with that now. Okay, so I had a little thought of, well, what, what are some of the objections that that came to mind for me. So, for the first one, well, I, I know from my work with Ellen Knight, we don't work in Tanzania. 
I'm surprised that wasn't Nathan's objection. Uh, we don't work in Tanzania. Um, you can't demand my money. It's more practical to pay for specialists to go. I mean, we don't really know how to respond to disaster. And I haven't been involved in this decision. I didn't know about the disaster in Tanzania. I, didn't, I wasn't informed. This one, why, could this, why did this one bother me? We haven't got the money. We haven't got the space. We haven't got the logistics to bring such a box in. It's not very PC, is it now? What would the newspapers say if they picked up on this? Us cramming children into a box where there's only standing space. This might upset our people. I can really see people getting upset when we suggest they put their child in a box. Our young people should be free to focus on their education. That's the most important thing for them. Or we might think, yeah, yeah, it, it could meet some of our labour needs that we have within the church. What, what if our young people don't want to serve? Wouldn't that just be forcing them to do something they don't want to do? It sounds like a lot of hassle to organise. I don't know if you've ever been involved in trying to pair up young people with needs. Now, they're all objections that we could have when, when reading those things. A little bit different to some of the things that you said. You remember last time we looked at the video of No Monkey Business? And we were saying that right at the end of the video, the monkey does what he does because it's what is done. If you were to ask him, that's just what we do around here. The whole point of this series is to stop monkeying around. We don't want to do things just because that's what others have done. And for that reason, we want to be free to deconstruct and reconstruct our expressions, find new ways, updated ways of expressing our values in a radical way that touches our lives. But how do we know if something needs updating or if it's, if it's accurate? Well, there's many objections that we could have, but I don't know if you noticed, none of my objections had anything to do with what God would want. They were all the offence that I took to it and the preference that I had. And a couple of those in there coming, coming from the audience would probably fit into that same category. We don't really like it. We want our time to, to relax. That's why we were offended by it. So the secret question that we must carry with us if we want to participate in this revolution that we're talking about in this series is this question. What pleases him? So there's, we can object on all kinds of grounds. On um, It's not what our people want. It's not very easy to do. It's not very practical. It's not PC. That's not accepted in popular culture. None of those things are asking the question, what pleases him? And what we've developed over the years that is Lifeline can never be built on anything other than that question. What pleases him? Well, it, that's not very practical or really in, the, in these times, it doesn't really fit with what we go through in life. No, the question is, what pleases him? Otherwise, we will build something that's flaky and, and can fall apart. When we were preparing for the last LNI conference, I talked to Claudia, who'd uh, been here for a year from Peru, and I said, what would you say is the most impactful thing that you've experienced while being, in, uh, being with us here? And she said, everything comes to, back to what pleases God, what pleases God's heart. 
And so many decisions that would be made on, oh, if I say that to that person, they'll be upset with me, therefore I won't do it. Or if I, if I commit to doing that, it will already put my family under pressure. But it wasn't asking the question, what pleases him? This is our secret question. This is what makes us radical. We base the whole conference around that, what pleases him? And it just came up time and time again when trying to work out what we're going to be committing to. Okay, game on. I want a volunteer. Um, fr- I want two volunteers from each section. Hands up for volunteers. Okay. Rob? And. We got anyone else? Okay. Fernando? Okay. Iman? Uh, not seeing very many volunteers. So, Neil? Um, two volunteers from this section. Okay, Tada. And, oh, he's, he's struggling to keep his arm down. I think we'll take Grant, because Grant loves a game. Okay. Right. You've got to select. We're missing someone. Yeah. Who we? Oh, okay. <laughs> Forgot you that quick. Um, okay, so. With the partner from your section, so you two are from a section, you two are from a section, you two are from a section, they're, they're the people that you're going to be cheering on. I want you to decide in pairs who's going to wear the crown. Put your hand up if you're the one going to wear the crown. Okay. Who's going to wear the crown? Okay. Put your hand up for the crown. Who's going to wear the crown? Okay. All right. So, can I have my glamorous assistants come and help me here? Right, the ones without the crown, I want you to stand, step, step forward. Sorry, the ones with the crown, step forward. And the ones without the crown, I want you to step up onto the stage. Right, I need, let's uh, place down here. Uh, just put them on there. And if you wouldn't mind blindfolding our crowns. Because it's feeding time. crown on your head. Oh, thank you. And put, uh, put your crown on, and your crown on. Okay. Right. And have we got our, um, bla- our sacks? Okay, so um, just poke a hole for the head to go through. Poke a hole for the head to go through. Yeah, now that would just be cruel and quite inefficient. Jamie would complain about that one. You might just slip your glasses off for a second, Neil. I don't know. Gosh, your head's bigger than I expected. <laughs> You got life insurance. Oh my goodness. What size head have you got? Okay, so 
Um, Richard, could you put a chair just out that side? So it's feeding time at the zoo, and um, we've got a, uh, a lovely concoction here of um, uh, rhino snot, and um, our, our, our three contestants on the stage, it's what they love to eat. So um, our, our, our people with the crowns here are going to be feeding them. The, the problem is they're blindfolded, and they're also going to be spun around um, and they've got to then feed uh, the animal in their zoo. So, um, we'll have... So, Tater, your bowl... <laughs> I'm just pointing for you. Your bowl... Just lead her over so she can touch her bowl. Um, what have you done? Don't worry, I've got it. You put it on upside down. That's fine. Okay. Iman, your bowl is over here. You feel that? That's your bowl, and there's a spoon in there. And then, Rob, your bowl is over here. Uh, down a little bit. Okay, so you know where it is. So yep. I'm going to lift you up, back up again. Okay. Okay, so within two minutes, we're going to see who gets the most, um, who eats the most uh, rhino snot. Um, and then we're going to finish it up with a cup of water um, just to make sure they wash the, the rhino snot down. So, um, Rob, you will be feeding Fernando. So Fernando's going to call for you, um, and you've got to follow his voice. After we've spun you a few times, you go get your spoon of, um, of uh, rhino snot and start putting it into his mouth. Um, Emmanuel doing Neil. Neil, just help her know your voice. Hi, Emmanuel. Hi. Okay, and Grant being fed by Tader. Grant, say hello to Tater. <laughs> okay. So, um, if you spin in man, we're going to do we're going to do we're going to do three spins, and um, you, you you can help spin over there. See ya. Okay. And you've got to cheer for your group, okay? We'll do three spins. On your marks, get set, go. One, two, three. Oh, let's do four. Okay, go. Okay, so we have the winning team here. Okay, contestants, thank you very much. You may... Uh, take your seat. So, the ones with the crowns had the spoons. Imagine how much our, uh, our friends on the stage would have preferred to have the crown and have the spoon themselves. Wouldn't it be a lot less messy, a lot easier? They could have eaten much more relaxed. Everything would have been nicer and, and, and just more pleasant. I, Unless, I don't know, Christina, is Neil a messy eater generally? Oh, yeah, okay. So maybe, maybe it made things neater for him. All, crea all creation, all, all humanity has a crown. We've all been given a crown. A crown is power. A crown is control. A crown means authority. 
It's the power to please. It's nice to have a crown. It's nice to be in control. It talks about in the Bible us having crowns. But in Revelation 4, it talks about a few people who have a crown that choose to lay the crown down, which seems crazy in the light of how nice it is to have a crown, to have power, to have authority, to be able to please. But they choose to lay it down before Jesus' feet. Why? Why would they do that? Well, it talks about in the Bible that God raised him, being Jesus, from death and set him on the throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for this time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. They realized that, you know what? This crown should really belong to him. Because he ha- if he has the final say on everything, if God has set him as king above everything, he needs to have crowns. And the kind of, the, guess the question is, if God has put Jesus in charge of everything, what does this mean for you? What does it mean for the crown that's on your head? So, what would the consequences be of life without a crown? Well, effectively, we're talking about taking my life out of my hands and putting it into God's hands. But what if he does something I don't want? What if he uh, tells me to do something I don't want to do? <laughs> but I don't want to. You ever had a child say that to you? Put your hands up if you've ever heard that said to you. I don't want to. Put your hands up if you've ever said it in your lifetime. (laughs) I'm going to give you 12 questions, and I want you to respond to those questions that if it's something that you can say, but I don't want to... I want you to sit down as you say, but I don't want to. And we'll see who's still standing by the end. Okay? Simple enough? Everyone stand up. Okay. Let's just do a, let's just do a, a practice on... Let me hear your best, I don't want to. Okay, I think it could be a little bit whinier. Go again. I don't wanna. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here's question number one. You're on your way out the door, and just before you hand the baby back to your spouse, he fills his nappy. State of change? Okay, if you say that, you've got to sit down. Next one. You're in the little checkout line and you see the new counter open up. Tell the customer in front of you. (laughs) You just got in from a tiring 
a tiring day's work and you see a pile of washing up to do, slap on the marigolds. Okay. A few more of you sat down and I was thinking. Okay, here we go. Here's a testing one. Massage Wilco's feet. <laughs> Wilco, would you come to the front? No, I'm joking. Okay, worship time is dragging on and you feel your mind is wondering, do you push yourself to engage? Okay, we, all, all the light, lightweights have already gone. Okay, how about this one? Pray for a stranger with a limp on a crowded train. <laughs> Challenge the way your teacher or boss is treating a student or employee. Oh, it's just chance. <laughs> but you will. Okay, well, I think Jem's the winner then. Here. I was expecting to get rid of the young people on this one. Give away your mobile to someone in need. Listen attentively to a, a Winger's story. And if anyone was still standing, I was going to give you this one. He tells me to do something I don't want to. Well, we all have experiences of being in a situation where there's things that we don't want to do. If I give up my crown, I could be put in that situation. I, I threw a big old wobble this week with a I don't want to, and I went through all the classic excuses. Maybe he didn't really say what I thought he said. He hasn't really built my personality to work in that kind of way. I could do something else just as good. I don't know if you've ever found yourself saying statements like that when you feel God's asked you to do something that you don't want to do. Ultimately, I was scared of being vulnerable, and I was scared of leaving myself in his hands. Finally, life without a crown leaves me open that he could crush me. If I'm putting myself in the hands of a giant, what if he flinches his, his hands? He could crush me. He could do it accidentally. He could do it purposely. I could be crushed by him. There are some reasons why I wouldn't want to live life without a crown. What if it doesn't work out the way that I think it should work out? The way that I want it to work out? So, why did they give up their crowns? What was it that they saw? What was it that they thought? The first counter-argument is, he was crushed for me. It talks about in the Bible that he'd be crushed for us. Now, there's no safer hands to put your life in than someone who was willing to be crushed for you. That's how I know that I'm safe in those hands. If he would go through everything for my salvation... For my ransom, I can believe that they're safe hands to be in. 
He could look after me better than I could look after myself. The second reason why I should give him my crown is he has to be the king and I have to be the servant. Um, Dan, Daniel, could you just grab for me those, those boxes from the back and Josiah grab a box as well. And There's three boxes there. Just bring those up to the front for me. Here's a little bit of an illustration of why he has to be king and why I have to be the servant. And for those that like astronomy, I guess... This is their kind of thing. So, if we were to imagine, just stick it on there for me, mate, thank you, that this one sheet of paper here, the thickness of this paper, thank you, represented the distance from the Earth to the Sun. So, I mean, we're, we're scaling it down quite incredibly. That thickness is from here to the Sun. Then... If we were to take a few more bits of paper, all representing, one sheet of paper is representing the distance from the earth to the sun. We're getting some distance, if you see here. getting there still getting there I don't know how high that is any, any estimates? Well, the actual... Was that a metre? About a metre? Three, three foot? The distance from the Earth to the nearest star other than the Sun would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. Okay, so that's about three feet 70 feet high if each piece of paper represented the distance from the earth to the sun. That's a huge distance. That's nowhere near 70. That's about three feet. Imagine another 67 feet of paper stacked up. That's the distance from the earth to the nearest star. Now, if that, you think that's big. The diameter of the galaxy would be represented by a stack of papers 310 miles high. Miles high. <coughs> I, can't, I can't get that. I can't compute the size of that. And then you come across a verse that says this. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He holds it all together by a word of his power. By a word of his power, he holds it all together. That's why he has to be king. That's why I have to be his servant. He holds it all together by a word of his power. He's not the type of person that you invite into your life to be your secretary. He's not the person that you invite into your life just to make you feel fuzzy. 
He's not the person that comes into your life and just slips in naturally. He will completely upset the apple cart of your life. Your whole life has to be deconstructed and reconstructed to fit him because he's so much bigger. It would be a total revolution because he's Lord of all or he's nothing at all. And finally, God has made him Lord. That's the reason why he needs to be my Lord, why he needs to have my crown. That's why we ask the secret question, what pleases him? We serve the holder of the crown. If I'm giving him my crown, that's the question I've committed my life to ask at every point in every situation. But the thing is, I'm empowered to live a surrendered life. I'm empowered to live a life without a crown. And here's some of the things that that the Bible tells us. That we have the power to choose. We're told to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of our flesh. That says we have a choice. We can choose to live for him. We were set free from the slavery and the chains of sin that we could freely serve him, and I can choose that. I can live in a surrendered life because I'm assured that he has my back. I don't have to serve myself because the guy that was crushed for me is putting his full attention into serving my needs and make sure that I've got all that I need, which means now I can say, I seek first the kingdom of God, and I know that he will give me everything that I need. As I serve him... The guy with the crown serves me. I can spend my whole life asking the question, what does he want? Because I know that he will make sure I have what I need. He can change my heart. He can work inside me and change the bit that I can't reach. I can't get to it, that stubborn stain of my heart condition. He can change that. How much much stress do we have when we don't want to do something. I remember the the pressure that I had when I don't want to revise. I I, I don't want to spend any more time doing my homework. I don't want to. And it was such a stress for me. Oh, I I I don't want to. And if I don't want to, it means that I can't. That was a point of revelation for me. I don't have to want to, to still choose to, but as I choose, in, in asking that question, what does he want, what would please him, he does something miraculous in me that shifts my heart condition, that reaches that stubborn stain I can't get to, which is my selfish desires inside my heart. He changes my heart to fall in line with the question of what does he want. I'm empowered to live a surrendered life because I get the best deal. He came to give me a rich and satisfying life. It's the best life I could ever have, is the one that he's got for me. Now, a good 80% of the time in my life, I don't see that, but that's where I choose to trust, that he actually has a better life for me than I could forge for myself. He dreams better dreams than I could ever dream. And finally... When I make, a, make the decision to hand in my crown, I'm unbeatable. 
Nothing can defeat me because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I give him my crown, he gives me his strength. I can do all things. Last week, um, I read through some, some questions that I've been thinking about for the idea of deconstructing and reconstructing our expressions. Things that were real questions that we need to consider as a church. And so I've been asked to share those again. So I've got some prompts up on the, on the screen so you can, can follow these. And th- these, this is just some samples of things that we need to consider. But there could be a whole bunch more and we're hoping to come across a whole bunch more. So um, is the expressions of our values relevant? Is it okay... So years back, most single people in the church were connected to a family. You would expect to find them at their house. house. If you made a call and they weren't at their own house, you would expect them to be at this family's house. They didn't have to make an appointment. They'd do holidays together. They were always welcome. Is it okay now that there's people in our church that don't have places to belong to? Is there something that we need to change? Can we put it down to it's okay, technology's changed, we now make calls beforehand, or pace of life is different, people don't have so much time to hang out, Um, we're we're connected virtually, that that meets the need. Or is it not okay? Is it okay that the community hub is in danger of replacing friendship, friendship evangelism, where we go and do outreach? When was the last time we had someone come home for a meal where we had our children spend time together? Is it okay that we can switch off during holiday time? Is it okay that I have spare rooms in my house while other people are squashed? Has organising meals for new mothers become systematic because it's just what we do around here? Was it, is it really out of relationship, real, real friendship? Is it okay to employ someone to coordinate such things? Do we have all things in common, like it talks about in the Bible? Just as I can borrow my dad's tools whenever I want? Can someone use my car in the same way? Do we have open insurance where other people can just come along and borrow? And we're set up for that. I told the story last time of, of Hans who lent the Paisleys his car after theirs was stolen and he, t- he took the bus to work at times. And he said, if serving isn't sacrificial, is it really serving? Do we expect people to turn up at our house uninvited? Just turn up on the doorstep. How would we feel? Would it upset our plans? Have these, these radical values become boring because they don't touch us anymore? Because we found ways to make them easy for ourselves. How many opportunities are we missing without realising it? Opportunities to take our families, our households, on the same adventure of sacrifice and reaching out. When was the last time these living out these radical values really blew your hair back? 
or have we come professional? When should our services overlap with social services? How are we different? Each one of these questions, it's not based on practicals that we can answer. We can't base it on if it's easy or if it suits our lifestyle. We have only one question. What pleases him? Now, last time we, uh, we had story time, and the amount of complaints I had because the story that you wanted had not been shared. So we're going to take um, a couple more stories now. So I'm going to put the board up. The black ones are the ones that have been done. So pick a different one. And uh, Dad, if you'd like to come sit up. Okay, right. So who wants a story? Okay. Um, that I wanted to cut the book of James out of the Bible. Okay. wanted to cut the book of James out of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You can, actually, you can bring that side. Yeah. Um, three years or so ago, yeah, about three years ago, uh, I felt we should uh, start teaching through the book of James. And we did one week. And then I had this accident which uh, wiped me out for a period of time. And uh, all we'd managed to cover was consider it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought, hmm, if that wasn't there, it would just be a lot nicer. So I thought, can we... Can we have a version that doesn't have the book of James. By the way, uh, I've tried to go back to that book several times uh, and just just wasn't really seemed to be the time. But recently, uh, I was looking at it again and I've got a, a whole sense of key. So when we finished the present series, we might well pick that up again. I... I you, um, there was a conversation with, with my, my uncle. Um, so my dad was telling my uncle about uh, doing James and how it just happened at such a terrible time when he'd, he'd done his leg in. And uh, my, my uncle said, yeah, because there was a debate whether um, James fits in the Bible when the, when the canons or whoever it was was working it out. And so dad jumped up, really? There was justification for it not being in there? <laughs> <clears throat> so what, what, did that, what did that teach you that reinforced the values that, that we build on? Well, I think it, it was uh, the opportunity to live in the reality of what we were, what we were actually looking at at that time, maybe of not the most, most exciting or pleasant way, uh, but the, the reality of that. And you see, alongside that, um, I felt God say... Uh, impressed on my spirit I'm not done with you yet and it was only last week and it was from that scripture but it was just last week that I saw uh, through listening to uh, a television preacher um, an understanding of that and I won't really not time now but I want to share that with you because it's it gives a, a solid theological basis for what God is doing there Good. Okay, another story. Okay, yes. How do I 
Okay, half my salary will be yours. What was that story? Yeah. Um, last week we spoke about having to make a stand for righteousness, which meant that either um, I would be history or the whole church would be. And uh, I was at that time supported by the church. And uh, one of the other leaders who um, happened to be my brother-in-law, uh, he said to me, you're making a stand for righteousness. I am committed to you. From the moment that this thing happens, 50% of my salary becomes yours. And I thought, wow, there is an outworking of commitment, of sacrificial commitment, and of standing together for righteousness. And it's one of those things that I've always remembered uh, as a very positive thing. It didn't happen, but if it had have happened, he was utterly committed that he would share the sacrifice of standing for righteousness. All right, we'll do one more story. Yes, see ya. As you held the bowl of vomit. I thought you might pick that one. <laughs> yeah. I think what we believe is God calls us to serve where the need is. Now, although I was the anointed minister, man of faith and power for the hour, called to go and pray for this family that was sick, uh, right then, as I got to the place, prayer was useful, but since they were all vomiting... Holding the bowl was probably slightly more practical uh, at that moment in time. And I think all these things were kind of learning exercises to see that serving where the need is not about doing our ministry. It's about doing what God wants at a given point, a given time. And uh, these, these are some of the things which we're using at this time to say, look, that was, that was an application then. Why was it radical? Well, because we come from a background where the leader or the minister just <laughs> holds meetings and teaches the word and prays for the sick and doesn't really get involved with, with uh, the real issues of life. Just uh, another story that just springs to mind. Um, it was at one church holiday uh, when it was the big family barbecue when we were all eating together. Um, one, a guest that had come along was absolutely gobsmacked when they saw John in the queue waiting to, to get food because from other contexts or in other churches, the expectation would be, well, someone will bring the food to the elder. And it just didn't, it wouldn't surprise us, the fact that he would be in the queue, but there was not a putting himself above us. And I think we've seen that a number of times with, with John. I think there is still a place for us to rightly honour, um, but it's not a... Uh, he, he, he never places himself in that place. Okay, so... Yes? So, you will probably pick up the same theme through uh, my dad's stories that that question is always in his mind, what pleases him first. 
But concluding what we've been saying today, whose crown is it anyway? I believe while we've been talking that the Holy Spirit would have been tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you know what? It's time you gave me that crown. It's time you laid that down because there's areas in your life that you're not prepared to let me lead you. There's points in that life where you're saying, but I don't want to. And he doesn't do it with a gun to your head. He does it with nail-pierced hands. And he says, give that to me, because I can give you a better deal than you can get for yourself. Because he was crushed for you so that you would be able to give him your crown. And I think the Holy Spirit has been tapping some of you on the shoulder and saying, come on. It's time to release that to me. I've got a better thing for you. I've got a better life for you. And so I would like to, like to give you the opportunity to, to respond to that. That voice of God saying, son, daughter, it's time to give that crown over to me. Look at it. Is it working out for you? You're plagued by anxiety. You're exhausted trying to collect everything you think you need for yourself. It's time to please me. Yeah, let's, let's not visit this subject and then just leave it there. I think it is time to... In this spirit of adventure, there is no greater adventure than saying, Lord, have your way. Lord, what do you want? I think it's a great time. You know, we've had a bit of fun. We've listened to the, the teaching. But it is a, a very, very pertinent opportunity to say... Lord, I restate my commitment to hand you my crown. Or maybe you've never done that. I mean, I don't know. For some of us, we, had, we didn't even have that teaching. Some of us, uh, my background was you come to Jesus and he forgives your sins and one day you go to heaven to be with him. That's what I knew. That's what I understood. It was a kind of waiting game. Hope you can hang on and stay out of trouble till Jesus comes and you go and drink cups of milk and honey. Yuck. No wonder I rejected that whole thing. But the understanding that we have now is, yes, he forgives our sins. Yes, he does bless us. But the requirement that God has is that we live our lives under the lordship of Jesus. And for some people, that's an absolute revelation because they, they kind of came into something on a defective message, a defective gospel. Because as we said earlier on, the great privilege is not only does he require that, but he empowers us to be like that. So have you done that? Have you said, I choose to submit the authority of my life to Jesus. I choose to lay down my crown before him. Maybe you say, yeah, you have. Is there any harm in saying, you know what? I'm just going to say, is there any area? Lord, search me. Is there any area where I could really lay that down there's a 
I don't want to, which I want to today choose to change by your great grace. Look, guys, this, this is not just for information only. We come together to hear God. This is a time when he's taken us on a significant journey and he's equipping us to go on that journey and this is the most major equipping that we can get that he talks and we respond to his lordship. So let's take a moment. Let's just take a moment of quiet. Just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I restate that I choose to lay my crown before you. I invite you to point any area right now where that's not the case. And I stand before you saying, I really choose that to be the case. And you know, if you've never done that, you've never said, I choose to lay my crown that authority, my life, and submit to his rule. What a great moment to do that. Make your decision now. Lord, we ask that as we're just quietly bowed before you, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would, you would just touch our hearts so that we can make meaningful response before you. For those, Lord, that have never done that, never actually said, I make you Lord. I set my crown before you. We just ask you, Lord, to help them now to respond.